regard me in the paint, I'm an artist See I hustle on the flow, call me Rick Ross See the truth get it, jumping like a tip-off I play hard till I hit a rep, blow the whistle I'm a player, but my game be so official Shooters and Troopers, welcome into another episode of Hoop Troops Summer. This will be the last one. This will be wrapping up, putting a bow on the summer summer season. Um, I know football season is starting, but basketball season never ends. And so um, we're back to, to talk a little bit about all the things going on, IBCA, talking about AAU season, um, and get into some early, way too early picks um, and rankings as we move through classes one through 3A. Uh, excited to be back with got the whole got everybody I know summer was a little spotty going through on a couple of our episodes we got everybody in the house tonight Adam I am uh, super excited to hear what these guys have to say tonight yeah it's good to be back uh, good to have everybody back and like you said football season school started um, have already I've already registered for a couple basketball leagues this winter for the youngsters uh, so that's exciting but now that football season started that just means it's one more week closer to the basketball season Excited to get through. Um, excited to get through some of these topics and uh, chat a little bit of high school hoops. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's fire up right away, Doug. I want to start with you. Um, we talked. Uh, you were getting real close. or getting down to the end last time we were on with the T, the top or the T sixty four. How'd that How'd that end up? Um, what How the leagues do? What did you What did you take away? What did you like? Yeah, we ended up having a great summer. We ended about five weeks ago, and that seemed like forever ago, actually. A um, couple of vacations thrown in after that, but uh, no, we, we ended up down in Pella. Bondurant actually beat Pella uh, in the finals and actually came down to a shot clock situation. So I was very happy about it. So um, Pella had a lead six, with about six points, about a minute and a half left, and uh, they had to shoot. So they missed a couple of times. Bondurant uh, made a couple of shots and um, so it was, it was kind of fun just to see actually the shot clock come in play. So Bondurant won down here on the girls' side. The Lady Dutch beat Grinnell. Um, so that was kind of, kind of fun for them. And then over in Carroll, the Tigers actually swept. Um, Carroll will be better than uh, – they lost the Booth kid, but they'll, they'll, be, they'll be pretty strong. They're athletic, got some bigs that can play. So, uh, so that was fun. So that was pretty exciting. Actually, had a women's college league this year, uh, top 64, which is kind of a – uh, a little different. Um, we actually ended up with 18 different girl, or different schools uh, represented. So um, that was kind of fun just to see good quality women's basketball. Um, so no, we had a good summer. It was, uh, like I said, ended middle of July um, and now kind of cranking up for fall already. So uh, that'll start uh, every Saturday and Sunday in October. We'll get those playing. So if there's any players or teams I want to play, hit me up. That's awesome. That's great. So I know we talked and you, I mean, you alluded to this and we talked uh, quite extensively on the last one about the shot clock. Do you, did you notice that the kids getting better, getting more comfortable um, as the, as the summer went on uh, to those situations and those possessions, both offensively and defensively? Yeah, I think kids starting to get used to it a little bit. Um, it didn't come into play a lot just because, there just weren't a lot of long possessions, especially on the guy's side. They just, you know, first open up, they're jacking it up. So summer's a little different, so you can't get a, a big gauge on it, but uh, uh, they're used to it. Just having it in the corners, just, just seeing it. So that's um, that was fun to see. That's good. That's good. Um, any, any, any wild coaching apparel on the side of the last three or four <laughs> weeks of the year? Or what was the deal there? No, just Hawaiian shorts and uh, – well, Michael Jordan jerseys, those type of things. So nothing, nothing crazy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's summer. Just let your hair down and uh, I know. Do some basketball. A lot of, of flip flops and baseball hats. No overalls. Larry uh, Brown style. No, no overhaul. But uh, right. bibs, bibs mean. Yeah. 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 Save those for the winter. You might get some <laughs> of those in winter. Those are for the big games. <laughs> We're going to have to pool our money together. The first coach that wears bib overalls to a game, like, oh. uh, gets, uh, gets something from the hoop troop. Oh, for sure. They, you know how they, they just started sneakers? Like, you know, people would coach in sneakers. Maybe we could start a trend that there's a charity and we do it for bib overalls. Love it. <laughs> there you go. We got something there. We could do it for the human fund. <laughs> 
Hey, AKA Seinfeld. Come on, you guys. You too young. I got that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that uh, that voice you hear right there, that's none other than uh, Coach Tom Betts. We got to get him back on the program. Missed, missed the last episode. A um, lot going on up your way. Busy summer for you. Well, a big part of that was uh, a lot of IBCA um, obligations as well. And so take a little bit uh, summer summer for you um, from from IBCA perspective. Let's start all the way back. Uh, and actually, I think one of the reasons why we weren't on the pod was um, some travel with the golf outing. How did how did that go for the guys? We, we had a great uh, uh, it's always a great golf outing. I encourage any coaches out there that are listening to consider coming over the end of June over to Van Horn, Iowa. Uh, Don Logan, uh, who you'll hear about later in tonight's episode, uh, Don Logan, the IBCA uh, executive secretary, puts on a great outing in his hometown of Van Horn. And uh, he does it. Uh, I mean, we, we golf, we eat, we drink. And uh, then he gets rid of all his dead rats, all of his uh, old, he calls all of his old uh, IBCA stuff as dead rats. And so you're always going to walk away with about $200 worth of stuff. And uh, so we, yeah, the, uh, uh, we had our golf outing in June. Um, the guys had just got back from Kansas city for the uh, D one event. And uh, so I think that, uh, that went pretty well. Uh, and then in, July, I had the opportunity to join uh, Mr. Logan at the National High School Basketball Coaches Association meetings in Indianapolis, and that was a, that was a three-day deal. Uh, some of the topics, kind of the, the, I'd say the five main topics that were talked about, I mean, there's a lot of stuff talked about in three days, but uh, uh, the main thing was recruiting. How do we recruit and retain high school coaches? How do we keep young guys in this business and show them what the benefits are? Uh, you know, what a great life it can be to be coaching high school kids. And, uh, you know, one of those things that you don't think about, but uh, was talked about a lot was uh, coaches, spouses, you know, you, you have to, you, you, you know, a lot of times guys get out of coaching because maybe their spouses, uh, you know, they, they don't, they don't, maybe they don't like the way their, their spouse is being talked about in the stands or it's too much time away from family. But uh, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of reasons why guys and gals don't stay in the, in the profession. Uh, not only coaches, but officials. How do we keep get officials in this game? And uh, how do we work together? You know, we're on the same team. And uh, so there's a lot of ideas talked about how states can promote uh, uh, kind of we're all in this together. Uh, we're all on the same team. Uh, a lot of talk about the shot clock. Uh, you know, states that have had it that are in kind of their growing pains. And then, uh, you know, just the situations that come up with the shot clock, kind of like Doug talked about, you know, you probably didn't see a lot this summer, but going into the season teams are really going to have to start preparing for you know end a quarter end a shot clock uh out of bounds under you know all those little situations with how much time left uh the third thing diversity in coaching and i think we see this in iowa we don't uh we we see it on our podcast here we all kind of look the same and we're not that good looking uh you know so uh you know how do we increase diversity in coaching and not only in coaching but in leadership positions and it's not just a problem in Iowa, it's a problem across the country. And then the last thing, uh, which was a really top, hot topic, was mental health. Uh, you know, especially with social media, with the, the, the world our kids live in today, there's so many challenges and the kids are under a lot of pressure. They're comparing themselves with everybody. Everyone's got a ranking or somebody's talking about them on the social media. And so there's just so many things that, with mental health that uh, – you know, maybe go unnoticed because especially, you know, it was pointed out at the, at the uh, meetings was sometimes us guys, we, we don't know how to, how do we handle that? How do we talk to our players about those things? And uh, one, uh, there are some, some states where they, uh, which I really kind of liked where uh, athletic departments are hiring a mental health coach for their athletic department. And they're, they're working with all their teams and they're getting to know their athletes. And so, uh, I know I've rambled a lot, but that was really a great conference this summer. I uh, got to go to Knightstown and put up some threes at uh, uh, Hoosiers. Uh, I was one for six, uh, so kind of goes – that's why I never shot very much. But uh, And then uh, we just a couple weeks ago, we had our IBCA uh, uh, fall meeting, getting ready for, ready for our clinic, which is coming up in October the 22nd. And like we talked before, we, they want to have uh, the crew here, you know, the Blues Brothers here, they want to get the band down to uh, uh, 
Johnston High School in October, and and uh, so some good things coming there as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, definitely excited for the coaching clinic. Um, they always do a wonderful job with that, bringing some 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 really good shows, uh, a lot of good coaches, uh, yeah. practices, just good lessons. A lot lot to be learned down there. And if we can be a part of that, then that uh, makes that even even more fun and hopefully fun for our listeners as well. Um, you talked, you touched on the, the mental health side of things and, and, and the social media. That is a tough thing to try to figure out, especially because these kids are coming up. They don't know any different. Like for right. us, like we see the positive, we, we get it because we've lived without it and we live with it. And we are, it's easier for us to find the positives and to use it to connect and to promote and to do those things and easier for us to turn it off as well and for them I mean it is an everyday all day um, situation and so like being able to handle that and how and understand and put yourselves in their shoes can be very difficult for coaches who um, you know may not be able to fully connect with and understand what what it is they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis so bringing those people who specialize in that can only help these programs. Right, and and we will have uh, one of the one of the gals that was at the national meeting this summer will be coming to the clinic in the fall from Missouri. Uh, she's really good and hoping to really share a lot of insight on you know things to look for and just the community opening lines of communication. As coaches, we got to put our guard down and be a little more vulnerable to our kids, and uh, so it, just a lot of good stuff. Hey Tom, uh, what were some of the um, the suggestions or things that were uh talked about um when you mentioned uh officials keeping officials in the game and you know even having some of these younger officials kind of um you know come up uh hear from where 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 have they come from as far as officials go well with officials it's you know talks a lot about apprenticeship programs uh getting officials getting young kids even like in our school districts uh do the school districts are they offering officiating classes for high school kids you know let the let them uh you know, learn the game officiating, uh, whether they're doing it in a P class or they're, they're doing it in their middle schools, their youth basketball, their little tykes, uh, and then getting them to where they, uh, you know, we can uh, get them into the, to the game of officiating early, uh, but, but promoting it through your, your curriculum a little bit. But then, uh, you know, how do we get those young officials tied into with some of the more veteran crews? And uh, again, we, we all know there's, there's crews, they work together forever that are, that's their crew. But, you know, if they take on a young guy or, you know, young gal and, and uh, really, um, you know, get them involved in the game and kind of pass that torch and, and build that way. Uh, and then uh, just as far as how we treat officials, the big thing is, you know, you know, the, they go to any of these gyms and whether or not we as coaches treat them well is, is obviously important, but sometimes as we know the, the way the fans treat them and, and uh, we just really need to promote that, you know, the, we are on the same team. And, uh, and it, it comes from the leadership of the, of the schools and the head coaches. Hey, guys. Yeah. Can, can I ask you a question? I just want to pose this out there because I've thought about it before. What would everybody think of two officials in high school? That's how it was. Used to be. I'm just saying. So that's when people ask me that question, that's my resounding answer is, Let's go back to two officials and let them manage the game and yet not worry so much about mechanics. And if you want to be a college level official, that's a different kind of group. I I really believe sometimes summer games are almost better when it's just two refs who are calling the game. I, I just, I wanted to put my two cents. I mean, you think about the number of excess officials you'd have if there were two going to each high school rather than three. And I, I will tell you, you know, I've been in some pretty high-level boys' games, and I think two refs could handle high school basketball personally. Doug, you ref. What do you think? I think you're spot on, and I think just because of lack of officials, they're going to have to within five years. Yeah. Um, but I think I think two officials could handle probably any high school game. Um, yeah, and they'd be fine. I, I, I think that's going to be the way they're going to go. I mean, just from, from looking from the outside, just for – they're going to have to just – but they're not going to have enough officials. I mean, they're I just saying they do fine in freshman and JV games. Honestly, they do fine. And I almost think the mechanics players. are easier because you did, you did two man, right? First, you were always three man. 
Yep, I came okay. in. The, I think the first year they started three man. So I that's actually how I got on a crew. My first game, I didn't do any JV or freshman. My first game was a varsity game, so that was that was kind of scary. But yeah, two officials would be fine. I I, I think. Um, hey Doug, real quick. I mean, so when you were in that first game as a third official, the first time you touched the ball, did you just naturally just shoot it? <laughs> uh, no, but I was blowing my whistle all over the place. I had no idea. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if we can, I'll take two good officials um, over one and a half of maybe don't know what we're going to get. So, I mean, if you can get yeah. to the point where you have two good guys out there, they can totally cover it. I think, you know, to your point, Doug, I think the rotations and some of the stuff that they can do will be completely fine. Like it is not something that the game or the quality of the play is going to, is going to sacrifice at all. I think so too. Yeah, I agree. So uh, what was uh, a few of the brainstorm ideas, Tom, that you guys have for coach recruitment and retention? Was there, was there anything specific? And uh, Larson, I'd like to know your input too, as far as what you would do to uh, get a few more of these coaches in the game and get involved and stay involved. The, uh, I, I think a lot of it, uh, what we talked about was just making environments that are inclusive for young coaches. Uh, make sure their families are part of the program, like I mentioned before. You've got to get that that buy-in from the family, and uh, the administration has got to support coaches. They, you know, so I think, you know, I certainly wouldn't pick on anybody, but I'm sure there are schools out there where, uh, you know, coaches have to be supported. They, I mean, they're getting they're getting targeted every day. Uh, you know, parents calling. Well, I mean, you know, there's just there's so many situations that come up that are like, I don't, I'm done dealing with this. Administrations have to be supportive, especially for those young coaches. Us old farts, we can take a lot of heat. But uh, those young guys uh, really need uh, that support of the administration. And then how do you honor young coaches? Uh, we're looking right now at uh, the IBCA is, is creating some new awards for young coaches. And uh, how do we, you know, how do we honor these guys that are getting in it, staying in the profession, doing good things? And then uh, the other thing is uh, we, you know, we, sometimes we focus so much on young guy coaches, but there's so many young gals out there. And, and really, do they have to be coaching just girls basketball? I mean, uh, take in case, you know, you know, some of the ladies in the, in the NBA, you know, Brittany Donaldson, for example, be open to those kind of situations to, that, um, you know, don't, don't just pigeonhole that a girl's got to coach girls basketball. I mean, they they might be able to, you know, get them involved in your voice programs. So there's, I think a lot of, there's a lot of things, nothing's off the table. I don't think just trying to be creative and inclusive and, and really uh, uh, highlighting the, the really great points of the profession. I think another thing with that would be supporting as you go down in levels too, you know, and understanding that, and this, this falls a little bit more on the head coach and his program, but you know, that these, the value of the freshman coach and the eighth grade coach and understanding that the role that they play and finding a way to include them in something, you know, end of the year banquet, whatever it is to kind of make them feel like they, you know, they are as important um, as the guy sitting next to you every Friday night, uh, you know, because they're coaching your eighth grade team or your seventh grade team and, you know, doing whatever it is and finding ways to, you know, whoever can help to help stat games or whatever it is to kind of ease a little bit of that burden, because it does get to be a lot when you're trying to wear all those hats and get everything done that you need to get done on top of, you know, likely your school duties as well. Yeah. The other thing too is uh, I think it's, I remember my first trip to the IBCA coaches clinic. Uh, it, I was just in awe. I'm like, my gosh, there's 900 people here. It's there's D one coaches. It, it was, I thought it was just awesome. And so I, I encourage coaches out there to, to bring those youth coaches or freshman coaches or middle school coaches, bring them to the clinic. It's not a high school only coaches clinic. It's a, it's a coaches clinic. And if you're coaching, whether a fifth grader or 12th grader, you're going to learn something and benefit that, that young uh, guy or girl. Right. No. And that's again, October 22nd. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. October 22nd. We're at Johnston high school this year. That's yeah, good. Michael, Michael Connor is now over at Johnston. And so he's, he's been our clinic director for a few years. So he's uh, going to be a great, great uh, facility. Great, great place. Good. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason, cause that used to be, it was at Urbandale for a long time. And then they, you yeah. know, pushed it downtown because, I believe the biggest issue with that was from a recruiting standpoint, as far as being on campus, they had yeah. to the building, make sure there were no potential athletes. Like it yeah. was kind of ended up being a big deal. Right. Yeah. So they moved it down and we moved down to Wells Fargo. Uh, 
for a few years, but then uh, I guess they loosened those restraints up a little bit and we were able to go back to Waukee last year and out to Johnson this year. Cool. Cool. Good deal. Um, well, yeah. talking a little bit about uh, those recruits and playing, let's take a let's turn a little bit to the AAU season um, in the AAU circuit. Uh, we have expert Tony Rose with us on the pod. He hasn't hasn't jumped in yet, uh, Tony. I mean, what's the deal here, bud? But uh, do want to know? Do want to know what uh, what you see out on the on the trail this summer? You know, some of the things that you liked, some of the things that intrigued you that maybe you're looking forward to here as we get ever so close to the winter season. A lot of a lot of good play from from kids all around the state uh, this summer. Um, uh, the Barnstormers had a really good um, 17U team again. They just actually had three of their kids all commit to Augustana, South Dakota, uh, transitioning D1 program. And I think that the Vikings are getting three really good players there. Uh, Cedar Falls is Dallas Bear, Marion's Grayson Lobby, and then uh, Wilton, Caden Kirkman. Uh, Chase Henderson from Hoover committed to play at Montana. He had a really, really, really good summer with uh, a Nebraska Supreme team that was very successful. I think we, we all knew that Chase could, could score it in bunches, but he played really under control and, and limited turnovers and got others involved at a high level throughout the summer. And I think kind of showed, showed college coaches who may have been uh, a little bit apprehensive about his lack of size that he, he has speed and the IQ to make up for that. Drew Kingery had a big summer as, as I think most kids, people would expect. And then Tate Peterson from uh, Monticello had a big, big, big summer with uh, Iowa Mavericks. Um, had a couple 40 point games where he was like, 12 for 14 from three. A couple of 2024s who stood out. Owen Larson committed to play at South Dakota State um, and did his recruitment early. Um, Tom's, Tom's guy from Healing, Matt Knoll, had a big summer with Martin Brothers. Really intriguing, long, 6'6 kid who can, who can really fill it up from all three levels. Um, and then I'm, I'm super excited about uh, the potential of the 2025 class for the kids who were freshmen last year. I think that that class that's led by Curtis Stinson Jr. and Jack McCaffrey and now Davis Kern from Lenoir, I think that class might have the potential to be one of the best since the, uh, since the 2019 class that had uh, DJ Carton and Patrick McCaffrey headlining. That's awesome. No, that's, uh, it's interesting to me, and I, I, was, I was looking through and as we were kind of preparing, the fact that more of these kids aren't like don't play together you know from from time growing up like all the d1 guys all played for martin brothers um you know when i was in school and so the fact that like you, you know you got guys up in minnesota you guys got nebraska you're going all over like there's not one like program where it's like hey let's let's all go and and play for this one program and and, and try to dominate what what any insight or what do you why do you think that is is it more regional is it just that there's more options um or these guys kind of want to go and star in their own roles or what what do you think has to do a little bit with that yeah you know i think it's a little bit of everything obviously the allure of, of the shoe company um teams from out of state is, is a big pull for some of the top kids um you see it in the 2025 class where curtis Stinson's playing down with casey you run gmc um and mccaffrey and kiki dang are both up with c1 minnesota you know playing on the Adidas circuit is a, is a big draw for some of these kids. Um, I kind of wish that we would just kind of put together a super team. And I, I think that, I think that there's enough talent in the state that if we put the top 10 kids in a class together, they're going to go out and compete on a shoot circuit and, and hold their own. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a lot of um, kids wanting to, to kind of have a starring role on a team instead of, you know, buying in and, and, Maybe you're only playing eight to ten minutes a game, but yeah. And honestly, a lot of that I think is parents who who have a bigger say in wanting their kids to be the star player than than even the kids do sometimes. You know, it's a it's an issue I've heard from a lot of AAU coaches around the state that it, the parents are just on their backs nonstop about not not getting enough touches for their kids. And it's, yeah, it's something that that's difficult to deal with, but I mean it's understandable when you've got these parents who are paying big bucks to travel around the country and watch your kids play. So. Yeah, no, that's I mean I think that's the that's the thing too is the money that's involved. Yeah, Larson. 
Hey, um, I just, before you go on to the next thing, when we're talking about players in the state, I think we'd be remiss as an Iowa basketball group to not talk about Jenica Rain to, um, she is probably, I bet you she's going to be like, arguably maybe the number one recruit in the country in her grade level coming into her freshman year at Johnston. And, um, you know, we try and balance it out here on this show, but she is going to be amazing to watch this whole recruiting. I don't know. You might know Brian more than me, but, uh, she, I think what 35, 40 offers already going into her freshman year. Yeah. Which is wild considering, I mean, she plays at a high level, obviously in the summer, but she hasn't played a, a single minute right. of varsity basketball yet and has, you know, more offers than, than anybody. And she, and I mean, she's, she's extremely talented um, and has a super high ceiling. And so it'll be interesting to see how she fits in um, to what Johnston already has and what they have going and where that um, jigsaw puzzle all kind of comes together. But, uh, but yeah, she's going to be, she's going to be one to keep an eye on and, and watch and, you know, really going to kind of highlight uh, continued yeah. eyeballs on, on, on girls basketball here in the state, which is, you know, continued to pump out loads of talent so well and that's what you know when you think of caitlin clark earlier and now tony's naming all those kids and obviously with with omaha choosing iowa state and going to be back in the state and you have her i mean it just to me it just gets me so excited about the state of high school basketball when we have high national level recruits for people to get out and see and cheer on and um, even if they're not cheering for them it's fun just to get to compete against them yeah, and just watch them. I mean, that, that's something right. where even if they're competing against your team, like you still go and you watch. Like you're gonna, right. go, you know. I mean, it's something. Uh, you know, obviously, my daughter played with Jenica this last year at eighth grade games, and there were people showing up to watch eighth grade girls basketball because of Jenica. You know, and so right. that's something that uh, you know you don't you don't see every day, but uh, it's exciting. I mean, it's it's no different when. Um, you know, Nick Collison playing in our league uh, when I was when I was a seventh, sixth, seventh grader and mm-hmm. everyone showed up when Nick was in town, you know, and right. it didn't matter if you were cheering for either team. You could be from 15 minutes down the road, but you're going to go watch it because you want to see you want to see what that looks like. And so it is. It's fun. It's fun to see, um, you know, t- uh, to your point, Tony, I mean, taking a look at some of these guys and, and what they're going to do um, from a recruitment standpoint. Who, who do we have left is, is uh, who that has not committed that would be kind of in that top like who that might wait until the late season to commit is it I know Kingery I believe hasn't committed is there anybody mm-hmm. else that's in that top 10 that has not yet committed um, yeah Kingery's still out there um, let me pull up our 2023 rankings real quick. but Kingery's, Kingery's definitely the big pitch still left out there in the class um, he feels like a summit league. Blaze Porter, sure. yeah, Blaze Porter, the point guard from New London, is still available. Um, Trajan Singh from Cedar Rapids, Washington, uh, and then Daniel Tobalola from from GBC, the big man, is still available. Okay. But those are the top. I think we've got four uncommitted players left in the top ten. So spots are filling up pretty fast here. It's all, it's always interesting too because that's you know you get to this point and for for whatever reason it's it, the way you look at it I mean you're betting on yourself go out and have a big year um, commit in that late um, that late window um, let teams kind of adjust and figure out someone drops out maybe a new offer comes in um, it's always interesting to see you know and I get the other side of it too where it's like all right let's commit and I don't have to worry about it. I want to go out and oh. just play my senior year um, and so I get that side of it too and so it's always fun it's, it's cool when you have a little bit of a split um, some guys kind of keep an eye on and what they're able to do and, and how they're able to move through the season and so good well that's good excited uh, excited to see how this all comes together now as we move to winter and so um, with that, Tony, uh, you've, you've released. Yes, already actually when did, so one, a would have been the first ones out. When did you actually, uh, release your one, a way too early top, uh, 10. Uh, so one, a came out on August 8th and I've been, been just releasing them every Monday throughout the month. Uh, four, will be on Tuesday this week. I had a little bit of a setback and putting that together, but those are coming soon too. Awesome. So, so prep, prep hoops, um, is obviously where you go to get the full rundown of this. 
Um, like I said, Tony, August, August 8th already putting together his, his predictions for seedings, um, top 10, top 10 seedings, uh, in the state, um, looking, looking throughout. So, so right now currently released 1A through 3A is out there. 3A has a special place in the hoop troops heart. So I want to start there, uh, here briefly as we look at this, at this list. And, um, I think before we even, even get into talking about a few of the teams that are on the list, I think we have to take a quick second to talk about who is not on the list. And as we look around, I mean, we don't see uh, Pella. We don't see Norwalk. We don't see Dallas Center Grimes. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a change um, mix up here. We're, you know, things happen. Things go in cycles. Uh, obviously, some good kids, some talent has, has graduated. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with, without some of those, those staples uh, in the top, you know, 10 or even top three to five spots here uh, that we're used to. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking earlier in the week and it, there's, it's weird to see an absence of little Hawkeye in this, in this rundown, but uh, you know, some of these schools just keep getting bigger and bigger. Uh, Norwalk and DCG are both up to four right now and probably not coming back. Um, so yeah, Newton is the only the only little Hawkeye um, representation in the top ten right now, which is kind of odd. I, well, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I wanted I want to note about Newton. That was on my list of one of the teams to mention. Um, and so, as we look at the Cardinals, what 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 are you excited about with, with Newton and what they have coming this year? So, um, lose top scorer Adam Mattis, um, but they bring the next five back, and eight of the top ten from last year overall are coming back. Um, a team that has a lot of really good shooting threats. Um, Brody Bauer, Jake Engel, um, a couple kids who can space the floor. Um, I think we're going to see a, a big breakout year from Adam's younger brother, Caleb Mattis. And it's, it's just a team that, that plays the right way and they can shoot it. And, and it's hard to pick against the Little Hawkeye team in 3A right now, you know. Um, four different Little Hawkeye schools have won the championship in 3A in the last four years. So maybe Newton is good enough to become the fifth straight. Well, and they're I'll going tell you to... what, I'll add into that. Um, Jason Carter has really done a great job over there in Newton. And, um, <laughs> uh, oh, shoot, you just said his name. They're, they're, they are a pesky little group led by their little point guard is probably the biggest pest in the state, I would say. Um, Tony, you just said his name. Um, who, who, what's Engel. Yeah, Engel. Jake, he's been playing since his freshman year, and uh, a lot of these guys, this will be their third year on varsity, and uh, they are they play really fundamental uh, basketball, don't turn it over, uh, get good shots, and uh, play really good on the defensive. They'll, they'll be uh, – they will definitely be pests in, the, in 3A and in the Little Hawkeye Conference. Well, with the little Hawkeye too, you mentioned obviously a lot of those teams moving up, uh, and just because we maybe don't see them in the top ten doesn't mean that they aren't going to uh, to test them night in and night out. So, like you said, it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know how they're able to weather that storm through league prep, league play, and then uh, what that looks like come postseason. Um, so, so fun to keep an eye on them. Uh, another team I have circled on here, Healing Tom. We uh, new head coach, uh, Tony. What'd you have them like six, eighth? Where were they at? No, um, I've got them at six. Six, he's got and, them six. The thing with 3A this year, it's going to be loaded. I think I've got any of the top seven teams that I had on this top 10, I could have made a pretty good argument to have at number one heading into the year. I think so. It's going to be a lot of fun in 3A all over the state, it's not just. It's not just one area where the power is concentrated. You know, I've got some Eastern Iowa teams on here, some far Western Iowa teams, and plenty in the middle. So it should be a good year for 3A basketball all over. Tom, we got any insight? Do you hear how the summer went for them? For them uh, you know, new coach, obviously, Matt Hahn, uh, Morningside player, 24 years old, just a puppy. But he, I will tell you this. I, I've, I've met him a few times. He's, he comes across a lot more mature than, than, than his age. And the kids like him. I think they respect him. They're, I think they're going to play hard for him. And they've, uh, you know, Helan's got a nice blend. Like uh, Tony said, you know, Matt, uh, uh, Matt Knoll, 6'6", uh, junior kid that can really score in a lot of different ways. I think he maybe scored 15 a game roughly last year, but uh, can shoot the three, go inside out. Uh, and maybe, So Helan's got four starters back. Three of them have been two-year starters. So they've got, and they're 
Uh, they've got depth. They've got, uh, they'll go eight guys, nine guys deep with all kids that played last year. So I, uh, they lost to Carroll in the uh, uh, district final last year, led in the fourth quarter, gave that up. And then uh, as we know, Carroll went down and uh, to the state tournament. But so I, I feel, feel good about the Crusaders this year, but again, I, I think three up three a up here in Northwest Iowa, uh, I think MOC is going to make a little splash back. And, and I think Lauren's got some kids that can play and we haven't heard from my, my buddy, Lauren DeYoung in a few years, but I think he's going to make some noise up here this year as well. And Dennison, I know that Tony, I think you had Dennison on the, to watch list too. So yeah. And then we'll see, yep. You mentioned them and Sergeant Bluff. So yeah, I'll be interested to see yeah. how, how three, a, how three, a shakes out up in, up in that corner. Uh, Doug, you taking all this in, getting, getting your pick ready, uh, to know, know what feels good for you coming out of three, a. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, running all the metrics and trying to figure out who to pick here. Yeah. You keep, uh, keep plugging in, uh, the form, your formula mastermind here for the end of the pod when we get your, uh, three, a pick of the week. Um, before we move off three, a though, we got to talk about Hoover. So the big, big news and Hoover dropping down to three, a, um, and probably quickly moving into your top spot, um, in three, a. And so, uh, how big of a change and how big of an impact do you think that's going to have on the three, a class and, and for those Huskies, over at Hoover. Yeah, you know, Hoover dropping down immediately put them at, at number one in my in my poll. Um, uh, Chase Henderson's obviously lightning quick guard who can score in bunches and I think a lot of teams are going to have difficulty defending him and um, Elijah Boss are both four-year starters for the Huskies and um, reached the 4-H sub-state championship game last year, lost to Ames. Um, so they and they bring back the top three from that group. So they're you know Courtney Henderson's always going to have them playing good defense and and making it making it difficult for teams to even just bring the ball up against them. So I think uh, I think Hoover's athleticism and quickness is going to be difficult for a lot of these three A teams. But you know as I mentioned, there's there's a number of, of really good teams out there. So it's not it's certainly not like a given that Hoover's that Hoover's um, Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that how that transition works um, for them, and you know more specifically once they get into postseason play and what that looks like. Um, but with that, let's 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 move to two A. So as we take a look at two A, um, a few teams that I have highlighted. First one, uh, Rolling Story. What what can you tell us with with uh, Rolling Story, and what did you like about them? Yeah, really good surprising team last year. Um, came kind of out of nowhere to win twenty two games. Um, bring the top three scorers, seven of the top eight back from that group um, that, that made a state tournament and gave Ella Christian a really good game there in the quarters. Um, the the backcourt of Isaiah Naylor and Jonathan Wilkinson is, is one of the more athletic backcourts in 2A, and they're, they're just really talented and long on the, on the perimeter, and then they've got some, some really nice um, rotation pieces coming back, too, who kind of know their roles and fit into it. Um, so very high on the north to the year. Got them number two, two A to start. Yeah, that was a team that I know that um, that we talked about uh, quite a bit late in the year. They had some pieces and some things that we really liked uh, moving through, and so I'll be anxious to see how they can build on that. Um, Monticello is who you had um, first on the list, uh, and then moving down. So AP was another one. I think you had them fifth. I was I was curious to get your take on them. Obviously losing some losing some some talent with the Mackey kid, but um, got some guys coming back. And so uh, chance to get them to down here to state again. What do you, what do you like about uh, AP? Yeah, obviously losing Mackey is a big blow, um, but the the guard play is going to be really good for AP. Um, Garrett Hempen and Gavin Thomas are both high-level players who can who can fill it up in a hurry from anywhere. Um, and both are reliable ball handlers, which, uh, which I think is key at this level. Um, they're adding a couple of transfers as well. Um, Marquez Wigley, the kid from Waterloo East, um, played AAU with, with Hempen um, and is, is up in AP now. Um, big 6'5", 
five kid who's really athletic and can kind of control the glass and protect the paint. Um, and they've also added a transfer from Cedar Rapids, Washington, um, another guard, Willie Hodges, who will give them a lot of quickness and, and defense on the perimeter. So I actually learned about the Hodges transfer after publishing this. If I had known that, I probably would have had them up at four, three or four. But, but yeah, they're, they've got a lot of good pieces coming back and add a couple more talented pieces. So Aaron's going to have a, get a good, good team up there that has a real chance to win 2A. That's uh, that's awesome. That's why you throw the the way too early disclaimer, right? You don't have you don't have all the information in front of you when you're going through doing this, but uh, it provides for a little fun for for all of us hoop heads, that's for sure. The other team in two A that uh, I want to bring up was Wilton. You know, a little bit again, another team that we start kind of started talking to late in the year. I believe they won 17 games last year. We just had head coach on the pod, so got to hear a little bit more about that. But uh, uh, what do you like? What do you like about Wilton and what they have that coming back this year? Yeah, bring back three double-figure scorers, um, led by Caden Kirkman, who's a really talented six-eight kid who can score inside and out, and averaged almost four blocks a game last year. So he's a really big part of their of their defense. Um, Aiden Walker and Landon Putman on the perimeter are both really good um, scorers. Walker Putman knocked over or knocked down over 50% of his threes last year, so having that type of shooting around Kirkman, you know, gives him a little bit more room to operate. Um, called it on the on the podcast that we did after the state tournament last year that for the first time since 1912, Wilton was going to make the state tournament. And I'm going to going to stick with that heading into the year. I like it. I like it. How that does. Great. I forgot about that. So that, that's a good one. All right. Let's take a look at 1A here real quick. And then, uh, Tony, I know, I know it's, uh, we talked about football season. You have, you have a fantasy draft that you got to get to. But um, 1A, no surprise. Uh, obviously, Chris Larson, um, Christian is up there. You know, what, what do you like about them this year? Continued, continued dominance, uh, another appearance back at uh, Wells Fargo, but what do you like about uh, Grandview Christian? Uh, obviously, getting uh, Toby Loba back is going gonna, is gonna to make them really difficult to score on at 1A. Um, so, seven-foot athletic kid in the paint. And then uh, Emilio Barantes has had a big, big summer um, playing up with the Minnesota Spartans. Um, 6'10 kid who's, who's really starting to grow into his body and, and that type of size and athleticism is going to be is really tough for any 1A school to, to defend against. Um, questions obviously going to be the, the backcourt with, with losing Manny Hammonds and Josh Bauckham, but um, GBC always tends to find some, some new pieces to come in. So no matter what they're bringing back, they're going to be dangerous. You know, just size and athleticism and like House of Guilds, that group. And so when, so when you do 1A, do you always just basically put North Lynn and Rems and St. Mary's one and two, and then figure out where, where to, to get uh, Grandview Christian and Gladbrook Rhinebeck. I mean, all, all these schools that uh, seem to always kind of be right there and, and they're late. Um, I'm sure that part of it can be a little easy. Maybe you feel a little lazy being like, Oh, here we go. These teams again, but they, they continue to produce, they continue to perform. Um, and so that, again, going through, that's kind of the top four. But a couple other teams that I wanted to note, uh, maybe a little bit of surprise. I think you noted it in the article for anyone that jumps over to Prep Hoops to read this. But uh, Madrid, you have the Madrid Tigers in there making making your top ten, a team who's never made it to state. And so uh, what are you excited about with the Tigers? Yeah, so Madrid's another team that, you know, is going to benefit. They played 2A last year, dropping down to 1A for, for postseason play coming up this season. Um, top five scorers are back from a team that won 17 games. Um, Torin Severson averaged 19 a game last year as a freshman and is, is looking like he's going to be one of the top scorers in the state, you know, as early as this year. Um, and, and three of their top five last season were freshmen. So, you know, the, the jump from being a freshman to being a sophomore is usually when the kids make their biggest leap. And I, I think that, uh, that having that youth, um, and experience coming back is, is going to be big for the Tigers. Um, lots of lots of scoring threats and a couple of nice pieces in, in the in the paint as as defenders. Yeah, 
Torin, Torin's a kid that uh, I, I know that Superstim family pretty well. And Torin's a kid that just loves the game. He just he's just a hooper all the way through. He's slippery. He's 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 got a high IQ for the game. And so um, playing up there and a complete shooter's gym, I can see him uh, going off and putting up putting up some some big numbers for the Tigers. So it'll be interesting to see how they um how they all work out this year and then then last one we'll get you out of here but uh acgc um they they moved down as well right um that is a, another um uh conference opponent of madrid you have them sneaking or making their way into the top 10 as well what do you what do you like about them yeah another another team that drops down um bring back about 70 percent of their scoring um lost miles skating who's a big scorer for them last year but um every other piece of the rotation is back um got to be led by four seniors who who have started a lot of games for them and the, the you know playing in a in a good 2a league that has um, van meter des moines christian you know panorama some good teams around the state around that area well uh, prepare them well for postseason play and I'm, I'm hoping that if if madrid and acgc both live up to the expectations i have i hope that the state separates them from some postseason play because i think both of those teams will be state tournament level teams this year right and those two teams do usually find themselves uh in the same region there so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens all right before you get out of here uh tony you coming up here September, what's it, 17th, I believe, is the Top 250 Expo. Um, tell us just real briefly, for, for anybody that doesn't know or hasn't heard, what's, what is the Top 250 Expo and um, what do you look forward to? Yeah, so Top 250 Expo is uh, our annual event here in, in Des Moines where we get a bunch of the top players in the state together. And um, it's a good chance to, to see a lot of kids who – who I've seen before and see how they've improved, but it's even a better chance to, to get a look at some new kids who I've never seen. Um, it's the first place that I saw Joe Wieskamp and AJ Green play high school ball. Um, and we've had a, a lot of really talented kids come come through the doors over the last seven or eight years. Um, it's, a, it's a nice event. Each kid will play, I think, four games throughout the course of, of the five-hour session. Um, it's just a, it's a good chance to to come out and compete against really good basketball players and and kind of get your get your name known to, to myself and to our other scouts. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah. So again, that's September September seventeenth, and so I'll be anxious to hear back on uh, how that goes for you and um, how the kids play and, and what you like. And then uh, I know we mentioned it, but Tuesday uh, prep hoops, you'll be tweeting out the four A. Um, you're way too, you're way too early for uh, a picks. Any any sneak peek preview? Well, who who can who can we expect uh, towards the top of that list? You got uh, one team that either tell us number one or tell us someone that we might be surprised by. Give us something. Give us a nugget, Tony. Uh, let's let's say that basketball in Waukee is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. I like it. <laughs> That is, uh, we'll take that and then we'll wait for Tuesday uh, when those come out and get an opportunity to read those. And so appreciate it. That, uh, that is uh, really great uh, information, really good insight. That's just, that's why we have them here on the podcast is, is coming, coming to us with all the information and breakdown. Uh, as, as we go back now to, to some of the troopers, guys, anything throughout those classes, one through three, a, that we um, that we didn't that we didn't mention or that you guys are excited or looking forward to that uh, that you want to bring up here quick before before we move to Doug's three A pick of the week. I think they hit them all. I I just it's always fun to see you know as the season gets going. I trust the general. <laughs> right. Right. You're, you're just, <laughs> it's obviously way too early. We can't. We don't have. He's got the he's got the information in front of him. We're just going to run with it. But two uh, A up in your corner, uh, Tom. What do you What do you think? Uh, obviously, the old dogs are all on the list too. We weren't going to run down the whole thing. We encourage right. anybody to jump on and read it. But uh, competitive as always, or what do you think? Well, I think Boyden Hall. From what I hear, they'll be rebuilding a little bit. Uh, you know, and then obviously the. Uh, uh, Rock Valley uh, graduated a lot of kids, but Western getting – I still think back when they lost that Cherokee game last year, Western did. Man, they I bet that's been in their mind every night. So, you never – you know, West, Western will be back in the mix. You know it. 
Well, so, hey, Tommy, what's the deal with Western up there, though? Didn't they drop out of their conference or they get kicked out of their conference? No, or what's, they, what's, you know, we need some tea here. I don't, I, I know they, they voluntarily, voluntarily left their conference thinking they could go to a different one and they haven't gotten in one yet. I saw they were going up to Minnesota to play some games, playing some yeah. Sioux Falls teams and kind of going yeah. all over the place. Yeah. So I'm not, I, I, I wish I had more info. I'll, I'll have more info. How's that? I'll, that'll be my homework. There you go. I like that. Investigative reporting. Yeah. yeah Notre, some Notre Dame action there. They're too good for a conference, I guess. They'll just do play <laughs> whoever they want. Right. Uh, so. Uh, I, I it's kind of amazing, though, the amount of information Tony Rowe does have, though. I mean, when you bring up a school, he pretty much knows everything about him and who's playing and what percentage of scoring they have coming back. So just a quick shout-out to Tony because uh, he retains all that information. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's really impressive, especially, too, um, admittedly, uh, from the podcast side of things, I, we don't give him a ton of heads up. I, I kind of just started throwing stuff at him, and he needs to, needs to come with it, and he, and he does. I mean, he's got, you know, obviously he's got it in front of him, he's got it ready to go, but uh, he doesn't have a lot of prep time when it, when it comes to jumping on with the troopers, that's for sure. Doug, real, real quick, too, wanna, so he has um, – in 3A, another team to watch, Winterset, uh, obviously with a little bit of the, the run that they had last year and excitement around that. Um, I know that they were, you know, relatively um, senior-led as well. And so what, what do you think with, with Winterset? Is that something that uh, uh, to keep an eye on, on them? And did they play – did they play – did they have any of their kids in, in your league? Or um, did you get to see them play at all this summer? I didn't see them play, but I do know they have one of their guards is coming back. I think they lost one of their key guards, and I think they have one of their guards coming back. And I know Tony had them in their teams to watch, and, and uh, they'll be good. Coach Henry and Josh does a great job with all those kids, and they play that zone. So, actually, I think they'll do really well with the shot clock in that zone and just make teams shoot over the top and rush their shots. So, another um, team, I think, Londeria. Three eight well, they got everybody coming back. Um, and they, they got guards, they got bigs, they got some wings. So they uh, uh where they're put, I think, in district play and substack play won't matter, but I definitely would see them making a run. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh mm -hmm. see what happens there. Tom, anything know anything with Glenwood? Um I know last year uh, a little bit of a down year, but uh Tony's got them got them back on the list as a team to, to keep an eye on. Do you know much about uh, much about Glenwood and what they have? I could tell you guys a story about Glenwood. I don't know anything about them this year, but I have a story about Glenwood that would that, take a whole episode. Oh, well. <laughs> can, can we get the Cliff but, no, Notes it, version I, of that? I tell you what we're going to do. When we get together, which we're going to do in Des Moines, you're going to hear the Glenwood story. Okay. Deal. And then we can... Huh? That's a teaser. Yeah, it's a teaser. <laughs> that's, that's an absolute teaser. And then we'll share we'll share the highlights for you, our listeners, uh, as as we go through it. So, well, good. Uh, another one too um, on the list in three A that surprised me a little bit. Um, we have Charles City, which we have to keep an eye on, and then um, actually he's got Adel ADM on there too, and so I'll be anxious. Uh, Actually, good buddy of mine, Trevor, over at uh, at ADM in what will be his second year, and so I'll be anxious to see what they do. And then Tom, we might have to tag team this one a little bit, but we have to we have to get some insight on Humble before yes. uh, postseason play. And so I, I'm uh, yeah, I'm excited for Humble. I love the style of play. I think they surprised us all last year. Definitely surprised me. Uh, yep. It won't happen again. I can tell you that much. I love it. I love it. Homework. Uh, homework's and already. Spirit Spirit Lake's going to be my sleeper this year up okay. north. Okay. They got they just got a, night, a transfer in from South O'Brien's 6'7 post kid. Strong's an ox, and a kid like that can do a lot of damage. And so uh, uh, keep your eye on Spirit Lake. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a good one. Um, and then as far as – so help me out. Again, talk about putting people on the spot. So some class movement. Um, obviously, we've mentioned Hoover – moving and then a couple of those teams moving from 2a to 1a what other movement to know as far as class changes d i mean i think we touched on it dcg is 4a i mean i think dcg and norwalk are, are 4a to, to stay so 
almost half the little Hawkeye is now 4A. And uh, I know you were saying Monticello, what are they this year? Because I know they have been up and down. They are, are they, uh, two, they're 2A, I believe. 2A this year. So yeah. Yeah. that always, they're, they're really good either way. They made 3A state tournament a couple of years ago. And then, yeah, yeah. They're, those they're, are always the schools right on the brink. Well, Northland too, right? They've they've jumped up, yeah. And, um, and so I don't know exactly. I mean, I know they're one A this year, but uh, that's another team that it doesn't seem to matter mm-hmm. whether they're one A or two A. But uh, and so yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that works. You know, for the teams moving up, teams moving down, advantages and disadvantages that they have uh, as we move through the year. And obviously, we'll cover all of it right here, uh, right here on the Hoop Troop as 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 things happen. And so. Um, before we get out of here, though, we have we have a couple things that uh, we we got to touch on a few segments that we that we uh, like to do that are a little bit of a constant in hoop troop. And first and foremost, we've we've talked about, but uh, Doug, three um, a three a pick to win the state tournament in August. We're in August here. Uh, who's who's going to win three a? I'll go with uh, Tony Rose line way too early. Three a pick. And I think actually last year I did pick DCG to win it. I think in one of my picks. I think I did have them. one of your one week. I did that. Twenty-four of the sixty-four teams. So, I think he yeah, had seven or eight. I'm one to here. I'm one to know. Here we go. Here we go. Um, but I don't know how you pick against Hoover, honestly, because yeah. I think they're going to be really good. Um, but I'm going to go with Marion. They have. Uh, I, they were at state tournament last year. I really liked the way they played. Um, the lobby kid, and they have the Moda kid, Alex Moda, I think is how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's committed to Iowa for hoops and I mean, athletic, and I don't know what else they have beyond that, but um, I just like the way they played. So I'm going with the Marion was Tigers, Marion ah, Wildcats, aren't they? The the cats, sure. Let's go with Wildcats, that. Yeah. They're wow. kind of like a off they, red and yellow. I know yeah. that. Yeah, I know that. And they got uh, and they got uh, my buddy Nick Joyce as at in the assistant seat, so um, okay, they're destined. Shout out to Nick Joyce. And then uh, Carol Carol Tigers, your super pick in three A, or where are we at with that, Doug? Uh, I'm going to the Carol Kemper Knights in two A. Knights, okay. Marion's the Wolves. Oh, the Wolves! Wow, the Wolves! Wow. You guys weren't even close. Apologies, <laughs> apologies to Marion. The wolves. I would have. I don't know if we would ever landed on that. So there you go. So you got it, Marion. Jot it down for those of you uh, keeping track at home. Um, I can't remember who you you picked. Somebody different in early summer. So uh, so jot down Marion. Let's see how this. I think uh, I had DCG all along. Actually, <laughs> see how that shakes out. Yeah, well, somebody's got to keep record of this. So, yeah, we gotta we gotta jot this down. Um, Tom, we have any shout outs? You got the, uh, the, the, you can, you bet Tom bets. Like what's the deal? Where's the shout out? I got so many darn shout outs. Well, okay, you've been, number- you've been absent. So we need a couple here. All right. Number one, the I had just the other night, I had the best, the best appetizer I've ever had in my life at the strike zone sports bar and grill in Mobile, Iowa, home of the Woodbury central wildcats. Okay. It was a combination of a, of a, of a, Curly French fry, some beef, sour cream, onions, and cheese. And I'm not kidding you, it was ridiculous. So shout out to the Strike Zone. The Strike Zone. I, I mean, yeah. any any establishment named the Strike Zone. Absolutely. You, yeah, you're you're right there. It's either gonna be really good or really bad. I think. And, and this is this is I'm gonna give you three because I started with the Strike Zone and there's three strikes. Number two, is, uh, shout out is to Jeff Shirts Ballard or at uh, uh, Ballard Huxley. Uh, he, he organized the IBCA, uh, really took control of our mentoring program first year last year. And when I went to the uh, national uh, meetings in uh, Indianapolis, what he's done in one year to set up that in the state of Iowa for our young coaches, and we're, so, we're already the tops in the nation. And uh, a lot of that credit goes to Jeff and the work he's done. And then uh, my third shout out is Nick Nurse. You just brought up Carol Kemper. Coach Nurse is coming back for the Bishop's Dinner for the Diocese of Sioux City in the middle of uh, September. And my claim to fame with Nick is we were both seniors in 85. Number one versus number two in the COIO Championship, Helan versus Kemper on a Sunday afternoon in Carroll. And in the front row, 
is Willis Reed and Lute Olson watching Brian David. Doug, were you there? Oh, yeah. I went to all those games. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Uh, number one versus number two. Heelan was one. Kemper was two. We got beat by 40. Wow. wow. 40. It can happen. <laughs> <laughs> Those things that happens to the best of them sometimes. It happens. But, I, always say, I always say, if you haven't be, gotten beat by 40, you haven't played or coached long enough. That's right. It'll happen. <laughs> In the state title game, it can happen, too. <laughs> Sunday Sunday showdown, though. How about that? Sunday. You guys yeah. play oh, on yeah. Sunday, huh? Well, that's what the Catholics do, you know. Yeah. That's uh, – that's awesome. That's great. So, yeah. so we're excited to have Nick back up here. All right. And now we need to have a little story time, a little story time here with Uncle Larson. We have uh, anything crazy that you've heard or a, a story of a of an athlete doing some incredible things or a coach making an impact or, uh, you know, you just finding a way to give have any um, entertainment at your fingertips or anything that you can share with us? You know what? I'm going to go. I, I'm going to be somewhat serious with this one tonight. Okay. Um, going off of, of, of Tom's talk with the mental health stuff for coaches in particular, I think we get a lot of coaches, you know, and especially some of those young coaches. You know, I, I know we have a few. I, I think of um, Doug, if I'm saying his name wrong, uh, Coach Aaron's down in, in Pella. Am I saying his name right? Brad? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I think, yeah. And, RNs and, and, and several others who interact with us. But one thing that I was really thinking is what, what, what should a coach or, you know, what can a coach be doing in the fall? And I think two things come to my mind and Tom, I'll be interested to, to know what you think on this. First and foremost, be the biggest fan of the high school football team. Cause normally when your football team plays better, it makes for a better basketball season. I'm telling you, like, if you look, we, we should start doing some of our, our picks and stuff based on how football season goes. Cause in high school, a lot of those athletes follow suit. Um, I, I, I'm just, this is like a, a full disclosure for you. When I was a young coach, I, I probably stressed too much, like with the competitive, like the sibling rivalries, you know, with programs and stuff and worried. And then I'd also worried about if my guys were going to get injured the older I got, I think I got a little more wise and I just relaxed and just had really had fun being a big fan of not only the kids, but the coaches. Um, and so I think that's one thing. And then the second thing that goes, I think, with what uh, what we were talking about earlier is really try and think of your culture. So you talked about um, Winterset and, and I think uh, Josh does some of the best work of anybody in the state with culture right now. But yeah every year now people are just starting to put him in their top 10 because they just think that's what winter set basketball is well doug can attest you know seven eight years ago and no offense to coach emmer he was part of you know he was josh's coach too but they they are doing a wonderful job right now um together and, and really making that all about the culture of their community but that's when you what you can start doing right now in the fall whether it be take have three or four meetings with your staff while you're relaxed not once november gets here and you're all in a hurry do some fun things the other thing you guys might think i'm crazy on this do those meetings and have team builders so you get to know each other and you talk about some some stuff to you know uh to get to some of those you know what tom was saying earlier about mental health and us guys don't always like to to share some of those things we started doing that about five or six years ago um, just because of some some readings I did with some other stuff. And, and I think those team builders and getting deeper relationships with each other helps your stress level so much. Um, and it forces people maybe to be a little vulnerable with each other. And that makes getting through those next four months uh, a lot easier. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, Lars, about uh, – football team football season sets a tone for so many things and not everybody yep. can have a, not everybody has a great football team you know but i think if, as long as you're supporting those kids on friday night and encouraging those multi-sport kids especially gosh, especially at the small schools you know i know there's more specialization anymore and and uh i'm a big fan for the multi-sport kids i i never really you know in the fall you know we have open gyms in the fall if you were playing football, I just asked you to come in and shoot once in a while 
Mm-hmm. The last thing I needed was the quarterback on the football team spraining his ankle at my open gym. Okay. You know, nobody needs that. Uh, but you know, one of one of, one of the, the rituals we used to have as a coach, as a basketball staff in the fall was when our football team went on the road. I mean, we always found wherever they're going, we we're going to go find a little dive bar restaurant, something. And we go early, we'd leave at three 30 or four to get there and get to know the locals. You get some of the local flair of food. What's a good restaurant in Stanborn, Iowa. What's a good restaurant in Spencer, Iowa. And that's where you, like you said, that's where you build that coaching culture right there. Those kind of things. Yep. That's great. That uh, is a perfect insight and uh, a good little nugget for any of the coaches listening to, as you continue to build and, and work your program and make it fit the way that you want to. And so I appreciate it guys. Appreciate the, appreciate the advice. Appreciate the time tonight as well. Um, covered a lot tonight. Uh, our, our bow, our wrap up on summer next time, uh, that we're together, we're really going to be focused on the winter and what's to come and all the excitement with that. We appreciate everybody listening as always. We want to hear from you. So if you want to reach out to, to any of us or to us here at Shooter's Touch, we will love to hear your comments, feedback, um, or questions that you have that you may want us to discuss or bring up on the podcast. We are all ears and we're all here for it. Um, be on the lookout. As we mentioned, we the, the top 250 coming up and then we have the coaching clinic October 22nd. We're really looking forward to that. Uh, we'll keep you guys updated as far as what we work out on this end, but we hope to see and hear from all of you um, when that time comes. As always, shooters shoot. Thank you.